straight from the WCHL studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 97.9 The Hill presents the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with your hosts, Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight, the brothers talk the formula behind college football upsets, make their NFL predictions, and welcome Yahoo Sports columnist Pat Forty. And now, your ticket to the Backyard Brawl, the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. Hey, hey, hey. Yes, it is week two. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry Sports. My they name. They let us back for a second week. They, they let us back in the building for a second week, some way, somehow. Thanks to you. Thanks to you, our friends out there tuning in. Uh, Chris Brown here, along with C.L. Brown, the C.L. Brown. And we are back talking sports, having a good time. C.L., how's your week been? Lovely so far. Football is back. We have something to tune into <laughs> on television once again. They're probably occupying too much of our time, too much of our spare thoughts, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. Ha- happy, happy football to you. That, that's that's got to be a new phrase, happy football. And we're going to kick off, actually, our show with a segment called The Big Playback. The Big Playback. Yeah, I I know, I know, I know. I know the jingle is saying big payback. EPMD is sampling our guy James Brown. I know know that, but, you know, come on. Come work with us, folks. Work, because doesn't that fit? That fits perfectly. This is the big playback, where we take one topic and we go for it on the one topic. Here is, would you like to introduce the topic, CL? You go, you go, because I feel like this is more... This is more your doing than mine. I'm just going to undermine everything you say. But you, you go for it. This is more. Look at me. I'm all giddy. I'm all giddy up in my seat and just so happy about this topic. Okay, here's what it is. I have created something in my years of, of studying this sport of football. And, and we're talking specifically college football on this one. And th- this little phenomenon is called skip prep. That's what it is. Now, here's what skip prep is. I believe that in the sport of college football only, not the NFL, college football, teams, when they have a big game coming in a subsequent week, they skip proper preparation for the team that they are facing, which might be a team from a smaller school, a smaller conference, maybe, you know, the different division or what have you. They skip prep, not 100%. But they just they do a marginal amount of preparation, believing that simply because of the caliber of their program, they can get past this team and they can coach and and make the adjustments in game to get past the team. It works for teams that are really upper echelon. It does work that. But I believe that's why we see so many close games when these upper echelon teams play smaller teams. And I think we saw some. Some upsets from last weekend and, uh, and and some close games, some overtime games, which they all suggest that to me. Starting off, starting off with Carolina's next opponent, East Carolina, who lost at home to North Carolina A&T. Aggie pride. <laughs> now, A&T is no slouch. They, they're no slouch. They're champs. They're, you know, they're 2-0. and They're championship caliber uh, uh, school when it comes to football. They're 2-0 and right now. You know, they upset Jackson State um, in week one. Uh, you Jacksonville know, State. I'm sorry, Jacksonville State. Which was number six, ranked number six right. then. Yeah, ranked number six then, and they were, number, they were in the teens 
A and T was. So they, that's a you know that's a minor upset. And and then they went down and they 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 basically trailed the entire game. They trailed for most of the game when they went down to Greenville, but they they put in uh, their backup quarterback. I don't know, change of pace, I don't know, but his name's Kyle Carter. He's a senior. He went 7 of 9, and he hit two touchdown passes, including the game winner. And, uh, and also very impressive was a, a, an end-zone-to-end-zone zone interception return. The, you know what? ECU was turned away a number of times um, in the red zone by this feisty and game North Carolina anti team. I believe ECU was looking forward to University of North Carolina coming this weekend, and they did not prepare specifically for NCANT. What say UCL? Well, I I think it's a misnomer to say skip prep. I, I think what happens in most cases, which you don't even have to play college sports. You could be at the YMCA and be on a team playing pickup basketball where you see a group come in that looks smaller, that looks that they don't look like a group of players, so to speak. And you could have you could be sitting on the house. You could be sitting with guys you know played in college or whatever, played at higher levels. And you look at the guys and you say, oh, we're going to beat them. And so you go and you play around. So I think the same applies to what you're saying is skip prep. I think no team, I don't think there's any team in college football that doesn't fully prepare for their opponent, that doesn't fully scout them and do it in the same way as they do any week. I think what changes is the way that the actual players process that information. I mean, I see it so many times in basketball with scouting reports. And in and, and these cases, a lot of times, the teams are on the same levels, and still guys won't fully buy into the scouting report. They won't fully study it. They won't fully know what's coming because it's still in their minds, oh, we're better than them. We can beat these guys just kind of going as we go. So I, I think that has more to do with it than teams actually skipping in preparation. And I also think from a coach's perspective, sometimes – Coaches don't want to give teams, uh, uh, opponents in the upcoming week, a lot of stuff to work, look at on film. So they may play it a little bit more vanilla. They, their, their calls may be a little bit more basic. And in their minds, they're like, we should be able to beat these guys lining up and doing our basic things, just kind of a skeleton uh, offensive show. So I think all of that factors into how these upsets are played out. But at the at the end of the day, that's why we watch sports. We watch sports for the upsets. We watch sports for the David going in a situation where you're like, this team's Goliath. But there are two things you have not addressed. Number one is defense. That the offensively, I could I think there's a lot of credibility to what you said, but defensively, if they were preparing, we would see more smothering out than we do. These team these teams start scoring like water. I think that's one thing. And number two, why does this not happen on this level on Sundays in the NFL? It why does happen? Not, not Are you like kidding this. me? Not like this. Not, not it, it like really what? does not what happen. What do you mean? Not, in the NFL, you don't have a team that's like a big time underdog and they go in like going to New England, you know, some big time underdog Cleveland going to New England. And give them just a game of their life, and maybe even come away with the win. And in in the NFL, if there's a huge advantage, they they prep, they they are professionals. The the team most of the time with a huge advantage, they come out winning the way you think they should. I disagree with that totally. I, I can think back. 
me obviously being a Steeler fan, I, I always held with pride back in the 1984 season. San Francisco 49ers, 15 and one. What was oh, their one that. loss? Totally remember that. 20 to 17 to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh went into Candlestick Park, yes, won the game, totally. and that was a nine and seven Pittsburgh team. But nine that was the and Steelers, seven. Though, and, and did they not it make the playoffs? It doesn't matter. They were not. They, they ended up making yeah, the playoffs. Yes, at nine and seven. That's not a good team. That's a mediocre team. That's a very average team against a team that was 15 and one against a team playing at home on the West Coast, which most of the time when these East Coast teams go travel to West Coast, they always got problems. Pittsburgh went in there and won. That was not surprising. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. That's your. One, man. That's your. Those are your guys. That's in that a was mediocre. That was mediocre doing what they year. do in a in a down year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a down. But they made the playoffs. They made the playoffs. They were a legit team. They went in there and did what they do. You do not sleep on the Steelers. You don't sleep on an NFL team like that. You don't. If you do, you're done. You're dead. The thing in the NFL, the NBA, whatever, that everybody's got pros. So the when yes. upsets happen, yes. it's because everybody is a pro. They might be that's uh, right. a one that's in right. fifteen. Who was the last team to go that like Detroit Lions or or New York Jets Cleveland. or whatever? Yeah, those teams that were that bad, but they still have a roster of pros. So That's if you right. don't yeah. approach it you correctly, you can get beat. Let me just say this: Penn State was given the the game of their life, the run of their life against Appalachian State. They they barely came out. So let's see what they do. In their next game against Pittsburgh, let's just see. And remember, that's a, you remember that that's a huge rivalry in that state. That's a huge rivalry, and Pittsburgh had a very legit win. You know, they they looked good in their opening. So let's see what happens this weekend. What Penn State looks like. I'm gonna go ahead and say they're gonna destroy Pittsburgh. When you start off a season, you're not gonna be everything isn't gonna be hitting on all cylinders. So you have to try and fail a little bit. I just failed to convince you. I just failed to convince you of what I know to be the truth. That's what it is, right? You've been failing to convince me for like 40 years. <laughs> Whatever, man. Whatever, man. You know I'm not 40 yet. Um, folks, and I think I just failed to convince our audience of that that fact, Oid. But uh, listen, we need you to come back. The reason is because we have got Pat Forty expert NFL and college football writer. I'm sorry, college football writer for Yahoo Sports. He's joining us right here on the show on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. Uh, tonight we have a very special guest coming up. I'm yes. going to call him a longtime friend of the show, even though it's only our second broadcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Way to go. Pat Forty, National College columnist for Yahoo Sports. How you doing, Pat? Doing well, CL. Good to be on with you. Happy football season, too. Yes, indeed. Football-anious football <laughs> is what yes. we call it around here. Um Hey, I, w I wanted to start on a personal level with you. Many of our listeners probably don't know you have a daughter swimming at Stanford, uh, Brooke Forty. She, she's a sophomore this year? She will be, yes. Uh, Stanford's a late starter, so they don't. she hasn't even gone back to class. Oh, yet, wow. But, uh, she'll be a sophomore. Yep. Uh, okay, okay. I, I know that she's been tearing it up in that, that first year. She was Pac-12 women's swimmer, uh, newcomer of the year. Um, uh, what is it? The freestyle, the breaststroke, and the uh, the uh, medley. Those are those are her events. Yep, yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, yeah, I had a really good year. It was uh, really exciting. You know, Stanford won the national championship by a million miles, and 
she was a good part of that and uh, had a great summer too and got to go represent the united states in uh, tokyo at the pan pacific championships and should nice. go to the world championships next year in korea that's that's so crazy so so how do you i mean we saw each other on on the aau circuit uh this summer and certainly there there are some parents there that can kind of get out of control sometimes how are you <laughs> when you sit and watch your your daughter compete in an event well, the great news about swimming, CL, is they can't hear you if you want to yell at them. So, you know, it's like, you know, they, they're there doing their thing. And so, I, yeah, I have a lot of nervous energy. And I may be seeing, you know, come on, go, do this, do that, or whatever. But it doesn't matter because uh, you cannot backseat drive a swimmer. It's a great thing. <laughs> well, that's and, not a deterrent, uh, though, right? That's not a deterrent to an overexcited parent, is it? Oh, no. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. And I, I don't know. There's some that are a little bit more loud and demonstrative than I am, but uh, but I'm not exactly quiet sitting there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of nerve-wracking watching them, I will admit. That's great. That's great. Well, we're switching gears to, to football. Uh, I wanted to start just with, with the opening weekend we just witnessed. Who do you view as kind of the most impressive team? And we're taking Alabama out of the equation off top because, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, for obvious reasons. But who to you was the most impressive team? Yeah, the, the non-Alabama division, uh, <laughs> I would say Virginia Tech. I, I was oh, super wow. impressed by them going into Tallahassee Monday night and, and just dominating the game completely uh you know this is kind of a rebuilding virginia tech team i didn't expect a lot from them uh you know really remaking the defense but bud foster's just so good as a defensive coordinator uh and they they made enough big plays offensively they you know they they shot themselves in the foot a few times but to just totally dominate and shut down florida state on the road that to me was uh, probably the most impressive single performance yeah, that that's funny because I was also, in my personal view, I was kind of feeling like outside of Clemson. Again, we have qualifiers here, but outside of Clemson, the ACC debut may have been a bit disappointment, and it, disappointing. And I'm I'm looking squarely at Miami, and to a lesser extent, Louisville. But I, I you know, I felt like they could have competed a little bit more in that game against Alabama. But um, how do you view the conference as a whole right now, shaping up? Yeah, it was a terrible opening weekend, really, for the ACC. And that's, you know, it's it's kind of a, a zero-sum game between them. And as good as Virginia Tech was against Florida State, that means Florida State was that bad. So, uh, you know, I look at, at yeah, Miami was, was, was really outmanned by LSU. And I've been a doubter on Miami going into this year. I just, I thought they were... You know, they played way over their head last year and came back to earth by the end of it. And I think that who we saw from Miami at the end of the year is who they really are. And so I didn't have great expectations for them. I still thought they might have competed better than they did against LSU. Uh, Louisville was was totally uh, overwhelmed by Alabama. Uh, North Carolina uh, was, was certainly outplayed by California. My stat of the week here, those three games, Louisville, uh, Miami, North Carolina outscored seventy-two to three in the first half. That's wow. not very good. good grief! Wow. So that's that's not competitive. So yeah, you look around the ACC, and the only two teams that really can hang a hat on at this point are are Clemson and Virginia Tech. And you know that's we'll see how it, it plays out going forward. Hmm. 
Well, so, Pat, uh, that Florida State game, speaking of that game, Coach Willie Taggart, new coach coming in there, you know, big, big shoes to fill. What is your take on kind of what happened there? Because I'm sure he's going to see a lot of criticism and that type of thing. Cynics, people already kind of saying that he's overrated or what have you. And, you know, we might feel that that's, that's an underestimation of him. But what do you, what do you, what's your take on what happened at night? Yeah, I was very surprised. They just, you know, they were so inept offensively. They, they, they couldn't block. They couldn't hang on to the ball. Five turnovers. Uh, and, I, you know, I know Taggart is not a, a super demonstrative guy on the sidelines, but he looked very passive to me. You know, it was kind of almost like like he was, he was I don't want to say he was intimidated by the, by the situation, but just like kind of almost just letting too much happen uh, when nothing was going right. You know, and maybe he leaned too much on his coordinators, uh, but I, I wanted to see a little bit more take charge out of him, I thought, really. Uh, during that game, uh, you know, I, I I think he's a very good coach. I think he will do fine there. He's an excellent recruiter. He's going to bring in good players. They're going to be okay. But that was a really really rough debut. But if you look around, not many new coaches had good debuts. It was a pretty rough start for Chip Kelly, for Kevin Sumlin, for Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, you know, things did not change overnight at a lot of these places. Yeah. Sticking sticking kind of with the theme of coaches, I want to switch over to the Big Ten because right now we're seeing, obviously, Urban Meyer suspended, DJ Durkin at Maryland, same thing, uh, and and not, not suspended, but we're seeing John Harbaugh kind of come under uh, uh, attack. I mean, Jim Harbaugh come under attack at Michigan after losing to Notre Dame. Um this Big Ten, in many ways, has kind of held itself as a standard, at least uh, from my perspective. Um, not that they're better than anybody else, but it, it's always felt like that to me. Like they're they're the the Midwestern Values Conference uh, for for a long time, but now it kind of seems like there's there's a bit of a crisis, for lack of a better word, with the coaches uh, in the conference right now. How do you view kind of the future of, of these guys, Urban Meyer and, and Durkin specifically? But, but also, I'm curious what you think, Harbaugh, how that's going to play out in Michigan. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think your, your point is a very good one, that the Big Ten, especially when it was getting its head handed to it by the SEC for a long period of time earlier this century was very much like, well, we may not be winning games. We do things the right way. And there was, there was that kind of smug level of, you know, we're, we're cut above everybody else. And it's pretty hard to say after some of the things that have happened there and really in the last decade, if you want to go back to the Sandusky stuff with uh, Penn state, but you know, Michigan state, uh, what happened has happened there come out in the last couple of years or year um you know tim beckman got fired at illinois before the season started kevin wilson got fired at indiana for you know alleged player abuse and then you get the obviously the tragedy at maryland uh the you know situation at at ohio state uh it's a lot of stuff going on in that league and so i don't think they can at least claim the moral high ground at this point um, you know, as far as on the field, yeah, I don't think it was a great opening week for them either. Obviously, Michigan was the big disappointment. Uh, really, I was there for the game against Notre Dame, and it looked like the same punchless, futile 
kind of identityless <laughs> Michigan offense that we had seen last year, uh, which surprised me. I thought I really expected more from them this season. And then, you know, you, Penn State was flat lucky to win against Appalachian State. Michigan State was fortunate to win against Utah State. So a division that I kind of thought was going to be the best in college football didn't look like it after the first week. Uh, you give Maryland props for winning that game. Great effort by their players after, you know, a very traumatic offseason. Uh, but there's there's a lot of issues right now for the Big Ten to resolve, no doubt about it. Yeah, you and Braylon Edwards didn't think that, uh, <laughs> that Michigan, <laughs> but that we'll get to that later in the show, folks. Um, hey, here's here's a question. All right, so how how do I do this and keep my composure? I've got to ask you about my coach here in town. See, you, you're a professional reporter. CL's a professional reporter, but you know I feel the freedom to let people know, uh, Pat, that I am I am all the way Tar Heel football, and so you know uh, I take it personally. Let me let me just put that out there. I take it personally, but hey, you're our guest, so you can say what you want. What 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 is what say you about Larry Fedora? Yeah, um, you know he's he's he's. I think he's very much uh, on the hot seat as much as anybody in the country, and didn't help himself a lot in that first game. Now, I didn't expect them to win the game, road game against a decent opponent, and uh, with the suspensions that they had. But the suspensions that they had, I think turn around and go back to coach responsibility. I know that, that he didn't, you know, tell the players to go sell their gear, but, you know, what, what is going on within the program is always a reflection of the head coach. I can kind of give him a pass for last year, but you don't get a pass for 16 and 17. And if 18's bad as well, I think you got to make a change. Well, uh, we, will, we will wrap it up on that. Folks, you can catch... Pat Forty's work at yahoosports.com. If you're not reading the 40-yard dash column he does weekly, then you're not doing this right. right. And, uh, Pat, I I really appreciate you for coming on. Oh, thank you. Good to be on with you. Always good to talk to you, CL. And, uh, Chris, good to to speak with you as well. I hope uh, hope the Tar Heel season turns around. And we are back. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports, along with C.L. Brown, writer for TheAthletic.com. This is Chris Brown, and it is time for more football. It's time for football on The Rivalry. I mean, we have college football, we have pro football today. This is more of the the pro football segment. So, the NFL kicking off officially tonight uh, in a few minutes, you know, uh, I guess in less than an hour after this show is over, uh, you know, we'll have the initial game, Philadelphia and Atlanta. First of all, rules changes. What Do you have anything on the rules changes? Basically, specifically, heads up tackling that and catching, you know, the new definition yeah. of a catch. Which, I mean, how long have we been trying to figure out what a catch is in the NFL? I, I, I hope that this effectively streamlines it. It comes way too late because Pittsburgh would have beat New England last year in the regular season and therefore would have had home field advantage throughout the playoffs and and a number one seed and wouldn't have faced Jacksonville when they did. But I'm not bitter about it, but I just think (laughs) that I'm I'm just thankful that maybe they finally got it right in regards to catching. To me, it is very clear you have to have control of the ball, a part of your body, you're either down by contact 
that the part of your body has to, you know, touch the, the playing field and football move. So if you're not down, there's a football move. No longer can the ground cause a fumble. I think that is very clear. But what about heads-up tackle? They've got to clean it up for, for the future of football. They've got to try and make it as safe as can be. Obviously, it'll always be a collision sport. What they're trying to do, I think, for this season will be difficult just because people have to get used to it. You've been playing one way your entire life, you know, so right. how how are you just going to change on the fly, especially you're doing an out or, or running a, a post pattern and I'm coming across as a safety and then split second I got to be like, hey, wait, uh, make sure you have your head up. <laughs> Let's not lead with the crown. Like, well, your first thought in that is, how did he get so far behind me? That's going to be your first thought. It's me. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> no, but you don't want to think just, about it. It's just, yeah, it's just hard to change on the fly. I like what they're doing. Here's the thing that I should have asked Pat Forty this. Here's the thing Is college football preparing for this new heads up? type of football because college football is taking away the spearing and the targeting and everything so they're saying don't spear don't but they're not saying don't hit at all with the crown of your head they're just saying don't spear and don't target people that, but heads up football is a new kind of genre and actually I believe it can work I believe it can work it is going to have a time of transition like you said they're gonna have to tweak the rule a bit but I, I think it can work and it can go a long way in helping to eliminate you know this this plague of head injuries that the NFL is dealing with now uh, the NFL the league is going to have to deal with uh, some teams this year we, we got to deal with who we think is going to come out on top what kind of predictions have you? Let's get let's get both a, 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 an outstanding player. I'm just laughing thinking about who mine is. An outstanding player and the Super Bowl prediction from you right here, right now. CL Brown's predictions. By outstanding player, you mean NFL MVP type player? Is that or just a player to watch type? Player? Let's go player to watch. I'm gonna go defensive. For for my player to watch, I think Joey Bosa of the Chargers. I think a the Chargers are a playoff caliber team in yes. the AFC that might be yes. uh, a bit watered down, if you will. I, I think they're not as top heavy as the NFC. I think the NFC oh, okay. has some powerhouse Got teams, you. okay, and the AFC. I think a lot of middle kind of middling teams. Somebody's going to emerge. I think there are, a lot, there, there are more teams that have a chance in the in the AFC, and I think the Chargers are one of them, led by Joey Bosa. Very nice. Gotta love that man. Just gotta love that. The Chargers. I I like their their small temporary venue. I I like what they got going out there. That's that's true. It's they have just a, strange saying Los Angeles Chargers. That's just that is not true. Right. Even now in my brain, I was thinking San Diego. So, yeah. No, that is. It is strange, but I, I like it for them. All right, here's my uh, predictable prediction for a player. Quarterback Joseph Flacco, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I said it. I believe that Joe Flacco, who had the highest passer rating in the preseason, he has got a preseason. fire lit under him. Preseason. He is going to come out and light this league up He's got everything he needs. He's got a defense that's on the cusp of greatness playing B-more ball once again. I think that that's going to play into it. He's got receivers now that are serious. He's got young, hungry tight ends. He's got a running game. He's got offensive line. He's got everything he needs, and I think he's going to be a breakout player this year. And, of course, Super Bowl prediction. I don't do this every year, folks, but i got to say 
I do believe that my Ravens, my Baltimore Ravens, are going to rise up to that final game in February. Man, I'm about to and, do an on-air and, intervention Hold on, here. wait. Can, can on. I finish, Come please? On. And they're going to face the team that I think perhaps should have come out of the NFC last year, the New Orleans Saints. I think they are going now, to do it. I, I agree with you on the Saints being being a team that I see advancing far uh, in the playoffs, possibly even reaching the Super Bowl, uh, which I think is going to make it difficult for the Panthers because I think the Falcons are are also in place to be a playoff caliber team. And, and I think the Panthers might get squeezed out of the playoffs this year because of that, that NFC South is going to be tough. But, man... The Ravens, they're not, they're not even going to make the playoffs. Okay. There's one team that Steelers won every preseason game. Okay. When is Steelers preseason ever Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Cincinnati will make the playoffs. CHB. That's you. Are you, as a member of the press, are you now a fully member, a member of the CHB, the Cincinnati Hope Bureau? Because I hear so many uh, hopeful I, stories. Oh, when have I ever talked it's about Cincinnati? Year. When have I ever said it's their year? Dude, Never. they're going to And it's not the their basement. year this year. They're gonna I'm just saying the they can be a playoff. They're team. going I'm to compete they're for the be in the playoffs. They're, they're going to be in the, like their fantasy playoffs. I and would feel better. Let me continue. I would feel better about the Steelers' Super Bowl hopes if Le'Veon Bell was in camp. You know, from the beginning, I, I hate the contract situation went the way it is, but I'm still going to ride with the Steelers as a Super Bowl. Uh, contender. Why not? Even even Why though not? he's going to be slow once he gets back in. But, Why not? You but do it's still here. Why not? Ultimately, I didn't say. I said a Super Bowl contender, <laughs> which they are. But I mean, it's still the AFC is still the Patriots, and, and until somebody knocks off the Patriots, it's still. Uh, it's still their world in the yeah, AFC. You're going to see somebody knock the Patriots off, okay? I'm telling you right now. And I also say we can't really I, – I can't sleep on the Panthers. I just think uh, Cam is so dynamic uh, in his leadership. But he's just a weapon you you don't really – you can't answer. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I just do. wish he had more weapons. Yeah, they like their receivers. I got to say, they like what they got. Okay, so we got we to gotta move on. And actually, you're going to like what's coming up next on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have more sports, even more to bring you here on Sibling Rivalry Sports, WCHL 97.9, The Hill. Always got to chill on The Hill. C.L. Brown and I'm Chris Brown bringing the funk and the heat. Uh, hey, we got something for you right now. It's basketball time. It's time for basketball on The Rivalry. Yes, yes, y'all, let's get into it. Basketball. Hey, there's still basketball news abreast. CL, what have you? Well, uh, this this story for me, it, it uh, kind of hits home. I, I lived and worked in Louisville for 13 years, and I covered the University of Louisville. And Rick Patino, the former coach of the men's basketball team there, has a new memoir, memoir out called Patino, My Story, and in it, he says uh, that it's over for him, that he, he'll no longer be coaching. Basically, uh, the, the scandals, the controversy that got him fired at Louisville has been enough. And, you know, he's done with the current state of things, the current state of basketball right now. So he said, he's, he said that in the book? Uh, in the book and then in subsequent interviews that he's done, 
since then. Uh, good morning, America. Basically, you name it. He's he's good night. He's, good night, America. <laughs> it's over. He's he's made his his tour, uh, and, and I don't believe him. <laughs> flat out. I will say Boom. that straight up, flat out. I, from being around Patino all all of that time, he has a passion for coaching. I mean, he you you. It's cliche to talk about somebody that eats, sleeps, and breathes, and all that stuff. But this dude, I'm I'm telling you, when I say when when I saw him work out, this is this was a few years back. Antoine Walker, former player of his in Kentucky at Kentucky, who who played in the league a long time, lost all his money, was trying to come back to the NBA. Hmm. He was overweight, trying to work his way down and all that stuff. So he mm-hmm. came to Louisville to work with Patino and. I got to sit in their workout and watching the way that he worked Antoine Walker out like like Walker was going to suit up for Louisville the next season and help them win a national championship. Like he's he's and it's not just that instance, but that's just kind of an, an antidote of when I watched him on the basketball court, this man loves coaching. Wait, how did you get to sit in on that? Was it were you invited? Did the coach invite you? I was or? doing a story on Antoine Walker. I mean, I just oh, I, like I I didn't have access like that. But every now and again, you know, I'd ask for a specific story or sometimes just in general to watch. And every now and again, they let me. You know, it's just kind of roll the dice and see what happens. So the guy loved coaching that much. Yes, basketball coaches are much more. Um, uh, agreeable than football guys. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> football coaches want to control everything. Like, if you see this, Some. oh no, state secret <laughs> is out. Some, Buddy Ryan. The program is Buddy coming down. Ryan. <laughs> Some do. But then you have the Buddy Ryan end of the spectrum where they're all loosey goosey hanging out with players. <laughs> I, I would say that's the exception by, by far. Football coaches are waving. You saw the stuff about Alabama. Uh, they have their there's like condos that overlook the practice facilities, and uh-huh. you have to sign. When you sign a lease agreement, you have to agree not to be on your balcony when they're practicing. Yeah, no, that's that's absurd. That, that is not absurd. That, that is, is absurd. perfectly. You don't want people renting out spaces <laughs> to the opposing team. The university hey. should buy that property then, and and just okay. not have have classes there or something else. They, but if I if and I'm put paying rent, a business Corey out. I am paying rent. I'm gonna do what I want. to. And that includes enjoy the sunset or a nice day on my balcony. But that's neither here nor there. We're talking Rick Patino and whether or not he'll get another chance in coaching or whether or not he would take that chance. But I, I just believe that he loves coaching so much and that for the right opportunity, and I do believe there's an athletic director and a school out there that would have have the tolerance, if you will, because it would be controversial until everything is clear with this FBI investigation. It would be controversial to hire Rick Pitino at this point. But to that point, he hasn't been technically, he's not guilty of anything right now. So that that's just the way I see it. I, I wanted to, to get that in that, uh, you know, as much as, as Rick Pitino has talked right now about how he's done, I don't believe we've seen the last of him. Excellent. You know, that, that actually reminds me of, of our guy, Butch Davis. That, there, to me, there are a lot of parallels there. Our and guy. You know, our guy. Yes! University of North Carolina. No guy. University of North Carolina. That is interesting, though. Um, and, you know, he's down at Florida International right now. It never really bubbled back up like that. So we'll see. That'll be interesting to see. It is time now for the final segment of the show. We are excited to finally bring you this segment we've been planning for a long time. It's called The 
brownout. The brownout. Okay, now in the brownout, what we do is we have, you know, some little snippet read to you or played to you from social media from out there in the world of sports, and then we just give a quick take. Hold on, let me say that one more time so CL just makes sure that he heard that quick take, okay? (laughs) Did you? Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you, and God bless you. Okay, here we go with the first item in the brownout. Final score, North Carolina A&T 28, East Carolina 23. How do you think about that? It is time for us to look at this NCA&T school and program, the longest win streak in the country. Are they, are they the best in the state? You have to say for their resume, they are the best team in the state. They beat Jacksonville State, which was then number six in FCS. They go on the road to win at East Carolina. Now, do I think that they could line up right now and beat uh, NC State? No, I don't think that. But head-to-head. But, no, but we're talking about resume right now and relative to to your level. I mean, the way it's looking right now, Paper champions. the way it's looking right now, A&T can compete for FC, FCS national title. That's the way it looks right now out of this team. Oh, sure. So what other school in North Carolina can say they can compete for a national title? I'll wait. Oh, my goodness. I'll right. wait. <laughs> According to you, Wake Forest. But listen. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't even try it. Listen. They have had a miraculous and and inspiring open. If you if you saw the game, they just they simply never gave up against East Carolina. They also exposed some weaknesses of East Carolina that we're going to explode. Uh, I'm sorry, we you know Carolina will exploit this weekend, namely pass defense. But I have to say, I I just I think in terms of head to head. When I think of the best in the state, head to head. Well, by that argument, it will always be one of the big four, quote unquote. Why is that? Well, not necessarily. Yeah. East Carolina, some years. Remember what App State? You know, you got to say. You never, no, you would. You would have never said App State would beat Carolina. Uh, that's back in the day. You cut. You see this cut right here. See that blue. Run it out. That's why. But, but that's that's my point. You would never say a school on a on a lower level, on an FCS level, would be the best. You would you wouldn't say that. Even when App, App State was winning national titles, you wouldn't have said it. App State when they beat Michigan, say they beat Michigan and then they went, they won everything else that season. And we're coming in the last game of the season. I would have said this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What See, a concession. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's okay. You're welcome. All right, let's move on to the next one. We might have one, maybe one left, and that is Colin Kaepernick and Nike. The new Nike ad, the 30th anniversary of Just Do It, uh, has Kaepernick's picture with the, with the caption, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything, which it, it seems like, after what basically two years of of lying low of just doing his thing on the side of no real big public endorsements like this nike to me hit it out of the park hit it out of the park and mr spaulding new york times just reported too that uh that 
that Nike bought airtime for this NFL season opener tonight. Mm-hmm. And presumably we're going to see the ad that Colin Kaepernick is doing the voiceover and, and has this quote in. So it's also kind of a, a thumb your nose at the NFL, if you oh, ask me. Oh. Nike is the Nike is they they are in basically in bed with the NFL. They have the, the sponsorship this year. They do the jerseys. Yeah. So to me, obviously, Kaepernick is persona non grata in the NFL right now, according to the owners, not necessarily the players or whatever, but that's why he's not with the team. PNG. Um, I, I'm not certain about a number of things that you said, but I would say this. I'm happy for the guy. I'm happy. I'm actually happy for the guy. I, I think he is trying hard to be true to some things that he believes in, and yeah, I, I'm good with that. I again, I might not agree with everything that he said or done, but at this point, I'm just saying, hey, I'm, I'm good with it. Can we move on? I, I'm not really that concerned over this ad. I'm not burning nothing. In fact, CL, if any of our listeners want to get rid of some Nikes that are, let's say, a month old or, or less. Send them away. I, I got you. It's got to be size 12 or 13. I got you. Okay. Send them away. I'll, I'll take care of that. I don't think you agree with anything anybody says or does with the exception of me. So, you know, I <laughs> what? mean, what? I, I, don't, I don't think you agree with everything somebody does with the exception of me. Like, I, I know you agree with everything I say. Even though on air you might try and take another another approach to it, <laughs> take another stance, but I know deep down when you go on, deep you're down, like, CL was right. Deep, 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 deep down. You know why I say that? I say the CL is right because I know deep down he knows that all my teams are right. So and the best, but uh, we're good. <laughs> we're good with it. Oh, we have to get out of here. We we never have enough time. This has been great, and thank you all so much for tuning in. We have more exciting guests, more. Fun segments, imaginative sports talk here on Sibling Rivalry Sports. For C.L. Brown, this is Chris Brown. Keep it right here on 97.9 The Hill.